podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Support for Gigpod is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off plus free delivery with the code GIGPOD at manscaped.com. Hello and thanks for tuning in to the 43rd episode of the Glasgow's Green Podcast, aka GigPod. I'm Stevie and here we are. That's it official. The season's away. We don't even have the cup to play for. And this will be our first trophyless season since the disastrous Mowbray campaign. Now I'm joined by the Cessnock Rattlesnake, Sean, who is Etienne and Bojan on Twitter, to frankly do a good old fashioned shoot pod. Sean, thanks for coming on. You're very welcome, Stevie. <laughs> That's nice and energetic opening there. So, oh man, this will be fun. Sean, two weeks ago, you said to me we would be trounced at Ibrox. Now, you said it was going to be a 4 0 doing. Now, that never materialised, but in the end, we did lose 2 0 to Rangers yesterday. In my opinion, they never get out second gear all game. Now, there was all this chat, and I've read it in forums that we controlled the game. But I think that's a nonsense. The control was done at 0-0 by Rangers and they turned that control into a 2-0 lead at half-time. They then sat back and they knew that our decision-making was terrible, as it has been all season. Our chance conversion has been laughable. And they also really can see the eyebrows. So you add all that up, there was only really going to be one winner and that was never going to be us. You said uh, on Twitter yesterday, if you told me this time last year that I would see this starting 11 and those subs in 2021, I'd have laughed in your face. In the words of Duco James, we're going to need some positive variance today. Luckily, it's long overdue now. <laughs> Turns out that we're going to have to wait for that positive variance. But, Sean, why were you so aghast with that team that we put out? <laughs> oh, God. Where, where do you even begin with this omni-shambles, Stevie? It's, I can't believe it was back in October, November, the last time I was on this mate on this podcast, I know I did one with, with you and Juco, but in this kind of format, like talking about a game or whatever. And that night we were, you know, embarrassed by uh, Sparta Prague. Although Neil Lennon thought we were playing Slavia Prague, we were embarrassed by them, and they just showed how weak we were in transition. And it's been a problem for many, many years at Celtic and obviously the, the logical thing to do is stick with a 4-2-3-1 which is historically really weak in transition but there you go as the genius um, genius leadership and tactical masterminds that are at Celtic Football Club when they can't even get their basic formations right and formations aren't even all that different from each other but at least give yourself a, a semblance of a chance I mean it's honestly as if any decision that can lessen our chances of success is being made. And each time you do that, you just further compound the misery to the stage where fans like myself, lifelong fans like myself, and lots of people listening to this that are exactly in the, in the exact same position as me, are just indifferent to this now. I mean, I think I was quite angry back after Slavia. Was that the case? Can you recall that time? I think there was more anger there. Definitely. Now you've moved on to the indifference stage. Oh, and then I even was sucked back into the emotional 
stage for a little bit, you know, it's just sucked back in and then I had today and, and last yesterday evening to calm down a bit after shouting at the telly like a maniac at what I'd seen. And now that I've calmed down, it, I, I'll try and summarise it like this, Stevie. I looked at that team and I just burst out laughing. And I thought to myself, am I living in the simulation of some kind of Joker origin story where I'm just going to turn into the Joker? Because if it is, then it's a very creative way of, of creating a Joker. It feels like an origin story for that character. I just laughed at it. I'm going to ask you some questions, Stevie, because obviously you're the host, but I want your opinion on it. And I'm going to go through this team. Scott Bain, in goals, and your humble opinion, do you think that for a season of this magnitude, and not even a season, in fact, scrap that because that's nonsense, do you think that the investment that you personally as a fan and your time and your money into this club, that you personally should be seeing a player of the calibre, nothing personal against them, but a player of the calibre of Scott Bain being the number one goalkeeper for Celtic Football Club? Absolutely not. I do not expect a goalkeeper at Celtic Football Club in this season who has been historically well known for losing very cheap goals for Dundee to be the number one at us in our most important season. So that is a no right away. John Joe Kenny, do you think that your time and investment and money that you've ploughed into Celtic for the last decade and more, do you think that John Joe Kenny reflects your obsession with Celtic Football Club and what you should be expecting to see in terms of quality at right back at Celtic? No, I don't. I don't expect a guy whose major honours has been a runner-up in the Football League 2 as a right-back, a first-choice right-back, an on-loan right-back from a Premier League team who he's likely never going to be kicking a ball for in the future, then move into Celtic and be the, the big dog at that position. I certainly don't expect that. I don't want that to be the case, but it is, and I'm not happy at that. Not even the big dog, Stevie. Probably the only dog at right back at the moment. Um, Stephen Welsh. Don't want to body him too much. I don't. I'm. I'm not. Not convinced. I don't really see any evidence that Stephen Welsh is something that is an exceptional player or whatever that should be playing for Celtic week in week out. Again, this the part of me. I'm kind of trying to show some empathy. It's a bad team. It's a bad situation. He's clearly a talented footballer, much, 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 much better than 95% of people that have ever lived on planet Earth. But the fact is, is like, it's, I just don't see it. I don't know where the strengths are. And I see too many weaknesses, particularly in the air. And it's just quite underwhelming. And again, if you told me last season, that we'd be going at that we'd play a large chunk of this season with Stephen Welsh as our first choice centre back. I would have laughed. I would have laughed. I would, could not have believed you. But here we are. And then Ayer's obviously getting a pass because he'll be winning the Champions League with someone soon. Diego lacks out. We signed a player who couldn't speak English during a pandemic to come in and play a position that obviously requires an ability to communicate. I mean, every every position in the football pitch requires communication, obviously. But it's just such a strange signing, and there's not even any there's not even any compelling reason for really signing him, other than he was signed for big money AC Milan. He's been a, a Uruguay international, and he was obviously a good player at Genoa, where he's probably played his best that got him the big move. But just a bizarre signing, just really out of place. 
And then the last player I want to highlight is Scott Brown, because I think after Scott Brown, the team's actually good. Turnbull, McGregor, El Yunusi, Edward, Christie. That's about as much talent as you're going to pack into a team at the front of the pitch as you're really likely going to be able to get at Celtic. I and mean, that's the reality. That's a very talented group of players. But Scott Brown, as that anchor, Stevie, do you think it's acceptable that we're in 2021 and Scott Brown has signed a pre-contract with another club and he's our anchor, he's our still playing week in, week out, 90 minutes? I'm just going to say three words for you here, Sean. The last dance. Uh, uh, <laughs> there we go. That's, everybody, that's, that's the narrative now. <laughs> the last dance? It's more like the last fucking car crash. The last dance, but it's Gemma Collins and fucking Dancing on Ice falling flat on her face. It was literally just getting bypassed. Like Ryan Kent was just turning him. It was it was just it was embarrassing. And again, you know, I'd be, nothing against personal against Scott Brown, but as a football player in his current form, his current figure, his current ability, you are holding. You are. He's basically Hulk Hogan right now, holding back all that young talent. That doesn't work for me, brother. That's what's happening, right? This is the. Think of it, as Stevie. This is happening, right? So, Sorrow comes in. Is impressing. Plays really well. They give him a run in the team. We see a a trend upturn. We're actually trending upwards. Sorrow's actually. We go to Ibrooks. We dominate. We get a silly sending off. But Sorrow is playing well. Sorrow is showing us that he's a smart clever, really, really sharp player that, that is doing things that we need to be done in transition because we are weak in that area. And then a conversation was clearly had mid-January or, or February, whenever it was, and they obviously said to Scott, look, Scott, uh, a Sorrow boy's playing well. Um, we're obviously going to continue giving him, giving him a run in the team. Scott Brown, with his bandana on and his sunglasses, looked up and went, that doesn't work for me, brother. And that was him, like Hulk Hogan, back in the main event, week in, week out, just basically calling the shots when we all know that he's not good enough at this. He's not He's not even that he's not even good enough because he is good enough to play against your, your lesser kind of teams in the Scottish leagues because it's just, you know, we've got an, a huge financial advantage and a huge talent advantage from that financial advantage. But what I find funny is that we don't want to invest and sorrow. We don't want to invest game time in sorrow, despite investing money and acquiring sorrow. And it's just it's that level of logic, Stevie, where it's difficult to begin with this football club. I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, it doesn't make any sense to me. We commit cardinal sin after cardinal sin of just basic policy at a football club. Matthew Benham, his whole philosophy: sell when someone reaches a peak market value. Doesn't matter if they're the best player on the team. Doesn't matter if they're just having a lucky season. He doesn't care. He just sells them at their peak value and he reinvests the money. What does Celtic do? Hold on to people who have been sold a pretense that come to Celtic, play a couple of seasons, we'll develop you and then we'll move them on. Time and again, Celtic do that and then Celtic bring these players in and then don't want to don't want to um, fulfil their part of the, the bargain as we've seen with Cham as we've seen with Edward Ayer, clearly want to progress their careers and they're being basically forced to, to stay. 
and then it's presented in the media as that's a good thing. It's a terrible thing. You've got people who are now lost market value and don't want to beat your club. You're in a horrible position. This is and it's absolutely infuriating, Stevie. Focusing back on the team now, Sean. Back on the 30th of January, Celtic lost 2-1 at home to St Mirren. Now, Soro uh, subbed off just around the 60th minute in that game. Ryan Christie came on for him. A few days later, Scott Brown came back in the team against Kilmarnock. We won 4 0 away. He opened the scoring with a header, and then that seemed to be the narrative changed. All of a sudden, in those few days, Celtic losing at home to St Mirren, and then beating Kilmarnock 4 0 away. Neil Lennon hooking uh, Soro, bringing in Scott Brown, and then him happening to open and scoring with a header, it just changed everything. And all the great work that Sorrow did for us in the past couple of months leading up to that, it was all quickly sort of dismantled. Albeit, and that was a case of Scott Brown shoehorn back in. It's he's never really been seen since. I think it's been unfair on him, especially as you say, we were in a, an upward trajectory from that Leo game. Yeah, we were only firing on all cylinders. Yes, we'd still probably would have beat at Ibrox one way or another. <laughs> when you saw no. how it actually transpired well, in that Jimmy, game. Jimmy Bell's pentagram is fucking doing some magic work, in it? It's absolutely... It's working overtime. You know, as you say, we're focusing on the team. That's why you were so aghast at the fact that being Brown, Kenny and Laxalt and to a lesser degree Welsh were in that to team. To summarise that point, because I went off on a wild tangent because I'm I'm emotional. And my point is, is that the club doesn't... The club in its current um, form with the current team that it puts out does not represent good value for money one it doesn't actually represent the amount of time I've poured into it um sure I've seen us win lots of trophies and I've seen us win lots of things and I've got a kick out of that and it's been great but ultimately I actually just love good performances in sport generally I mean across the board like I like to see good performances first and foremost and exciting football, obviously, because that helps. Now, winning is great, and, and winning is that added part that just makes, really puts the cherry on top of it all. But what's happened at Celtic is that we no longer have the results, which were really just papering over the cracks of, of the abhorrent performances, not only on the pitch, but in the boardroom, recruitment, the lack of just any real promising youth um, talent coming through. And again, nothing against the youth guys. They probably had all the talent in the world. Just Celtic are interested in, in developing them. And why would they be? Because they simply live in a, a... Or the club seems to just exist in this bubble of bizarre entitlement and, and a bizarre... I suppose when you get all the money you do every single season from charitable donors like myself and, and you, Stevie, and thousands of others I suppose you do get quite lazy and, and you just point to all the trophies and go but we won all that Are you won all that we fucking Celtic are turning into one of the models that say well we'll get it again look at what we did in the past but what are you doing now you know I, I, last year I did you know I beat Hamilton 5-0 last year I scraped a win against Rangers not playing well but are you doing it now no and that's one of the things you always say about you know people in business or individuals who stagnate instead of seeing continual improvement. And I guess that's what you're wanting to see from Celtic is continual improvement. And I don't think we are. None of us are. And that is what a lot of fans are just so you know up in arms about it now. Yeah, it's a hopeless situation. It really is. It's just hopeless. I think that's the I think that is the the crux of it, Steve. It's just hopeless. I mean, there's no I sent a private message to my Twitter pal, all caps, back in 
August and it was genuinely something to the tune of there is nothing to look forward to at Celtic Football Club that like something he can confirm it and I remember even he was kind of like what, what do you even mean by that of course there's things to look forward to but really at that time it was hopeless but now seeing the results and the humiliation and fireworks getting set outside my house and all kinds of colourful songs and language being sang outside my house and that further rubbing assault into the wounds and you start getting a bit angry about it and you're just like you start just looking at that those people that made those decisions and that, that did stagnate the club despite getting a very generous donation from fans every single season and just locking up most of it in a bank account to sit there and like I said on the Ducal pod, the pod with Ducal, um, like financial cat and natural, don't bolt the door of the finances and keep it in there rotten. Don't invest a penny of it in making the club better. Stevie, there was a clean 50 million kicking about a bank account. I mean, what is going on? There's a clean, like, we had all that money just sitting, kicking about in bank accounts and we never invested it. We never moved the club forward. And now we're in a situation where we're pretty much going to lose the entire team, for better or for worse, um, and rebuild an entire team in, in a season. And I think people are not really quite gauging how damaging that this is going to be and that the risks are just so big now because you have to get so much right and there's so many things that need sorted. And we've also alienated our entire youth uh, structure, which... Brilliant guys, entire youth development. Uh, all the boys are now completely in, in cabin and a carper coming out and shooting on it, and basically saying how much of a joke it was. We we then barely. Oh, you know his attitude's not good enough. I've heard, I've heard that his attitude. Do you, do you know what I've heard? I've heard that he's an astonishingly good talent that should be getting minutes in the first team, but that certain people who aren't very talented would rather that he didn't because whatever your reason is. Nurture talent, put effort, invest in them, give them chances, excite the fact, give us what we want to see. Well, the fans aren't right about everything, but we want to see these young players coming through. They don't even get a chance. And then the club just leaks stuff like he's no good in training. Get that out there. Fuck you. Fuck you, whoever's doing that. Fuck you. Fuck those people at the club. They're a fucking cancer. Get them out. Get them fucking out. I'm sick of it, man. I'm just getting so pro-player with Celtic, by the way, Stevie. I'm getting so pro-player. Some of the literature I've read, and just Celtic in general this season, just football in general, I'm getting so pro-player that I'm like, these guys get screwed. I watched the Nicholas and Elka documentary as well. These guys get screwed time and time again. And then they're just told, aye, but you make 30 grand a week, so you should be happy. That's your opinion? Fuck you, because you're just a clown. If that's you, you genuinely think that get somebody getting thirty grand a week means that they shouldn't be ingratiated into the you know acclimatized to Scottish culture. There shouldn't be a relocation consultant to Celtic helping these people acclimatize like Shved and Bayo and all that. If you genuinely don't think those players deserve that, and you you're at the club or you're a fan or whatever, fuck you. And that's the bottom line because you're just the, the fact you have no empathy for human beings because they earn a lot of money. Honest to God, man. Honest to God. That's a whole new that's a whole new angle, Stevie. You could think you need a swig of your broken skull IPA there, Sean. <sighs> swig of beer for the water, man. We're not going to dissect the game and what went wrong because it wasn't some new phenomenon or shock that we lost. Even to me, who I actually predicted a two one solely on the fact 
that we were simply due a win. That was it. No moment of tactical genius would ensure we triumphed. It was all based on probability and luck. And we never even lost the game on the park. We lost it before the ball was kicked. Not just at the weekend there, but rather when we decided to go down the steel route of trusting John Kennedy, who's been complicit in the failures of this season. Yet, we've put him in the risky position of managing our assets for the rest of the season. Sean, your opposition to Kennedy uh, is well documented, but was it the fact that he was in charge of this game that ensured you had Rangers down as winning it comfortably You know, in the lead up to this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking in text message? No. Actually, no. And that's that's another thing as well. I mean, again, John Kennedy, I'm just, I, I'm indifferent. People keep telling me, oh, Brendan Rodgers liked him. I don't give a fuck who likes him. I, I mean, I, Brendan Rodgers liking him doesn't, what value has that got? He comes in, takes charge of the team, and then just t- has terrible team selections that are boring, that nobody, not even, nobody wants to even watch them because of that bizarre and just entrenched in the old in the old manager's um, kind of obsession with picking the worst possible team at the worst possible moment and then making the worst possible subs at the worst possible time. I mean, we literally went into this season with no wingers. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, I'm, just, I'm at a loss with how many mistakes have been made. That I don't even care who the manager. I don't even. It, Gavin Stratton could take a job, and I'd just be like, "Oh, on you go. I just you have a shot and all. You should just give um, Steve McManus a shot at it and all. You should just do a, a manager rotation to just see if anybody can can pick a team that's vaguely uh, coherent. We we you know what would what would challenge a, a you know someone that's at our level like Rangers because we're out of Europe and we're, we're not going to really get any any challenges out with Rangers. So yeah, Kennedy I don't think's played Sorrow a single game since he's came in. He put him on the pile as well, just fumigate. Hopefully when the fumigation happens, big Dom McKay turns up, the big saviour and hero. Uh, hopefully um, John Kennedy's also part of that, you know, transition. He's moved on because I think he's had a really good opportunity here. I think. But wait, a, Dom, Dom McKay might like him oh, potentially, and that's all. That's what's all about, and it being liked and people. No, no, I know your talent or your vision or your ability to, you know, communicate. What, what do you? What type of style do you want to play? What you know? Look at the guys in Italy that go to the um, the the managerial places. The it's like. It's got a name again, I forget it. But they all have to go there and basically do a thesis on football and they release it publicly. You can go read Andrea Pirlo's thesis on football and, and whatnot. And they need to go through this course to become a manager. And it's really interesting because there's that communication between the manager and the fans already, even if he never comes to manager club. If he does, you'll know his his kind of outlook on football. And not to be too negative, but from what I've seen from Kennedy, it's not very inspiring. It's just boring. It's something that I would never uh, watch unless it's a Scottish Cup game like yesterday. Or, but at this point, that that's me for the season. That I won't be. I won't be tuning into to anything else that we do this season because it's 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 really not worth it. It's really it's it's really not something that deserves your attention either. It's now five games without a win against Rangers, Sean. The last time this happened was from December 2006 to March 2008. 
The game that kicked that off was against Paul Guen's Rangers until a thrilling win at Celtic Park against Watersmith side in April 2008. Miravchik67 pointed out on Twitter that we've had 63 attempts on goal in these matches, resulting in only two goals. Now, to me, it's yet more confirmation that there really is no deep analysis done at chance conversion within the club. Sean, you've been crying out that Celtic have been analytically ignorant now on this podcast Anytime you've been on it. But what are your thoughts on this as someone like yourself who is pro-data analysis? I'm just an advocate of it. I think it's a good way to go. I don't think it's the be-all and end-all, but I think it certainly gives you an advantage. Um, what I find funny about Celtic is that it's not even a difficult thing to understand, a concept to, to actually understand, which is if you shoot from 30 yards, you have a less likely chance of scoring than if you shoot from 18 yards, right? Just the way it kind of is. But if you shoot from 12 yards and you've got one defender in front of you, there's obviously the keeper in goals, and you're in a nice central position, that's kind of what you want to be doing because you're going to score more goals by doing that. You're just going to increase your probability of scoring goals by getting the ball into more dangerous positions on the pitch. And there are obviously diagrams online that show you, you know, where the most goals are scored and they tend to be in and around that kind of, in the box and, and centrally because it's the best place to shoot from. Now, there's all types of different, you know, factors involved. There's the pressure on the shot. There's the clarity to go, like defenders blocking your way. But generally, someone who's good at that is Odson Edwards because he's constantly trying to increase his probability of scoring. Now, fans watch him and be, are frustrated by him because they think he's fannying about or he's lazy or he's no interested. But actually, Odson Edwards is trying to increase his probability of scoring. Does it backfire sometimes? Of course it does. Of course sometimes he was better off shooting than trying to dribble into a better area. But the fact that Celtic Football Club don't really know how to communicate that that's what he's doing or feel it's not necessary to do maybe like a, some kind of you know view into how does Odson Edward play or even ask him. Ask him, why do you do that? Just open up and ask him. Communicate with the fans. Communicate with the player. It's just this dead zone, this dead space of assuming that his poor performances are down to motivation. Maybe he just had a bad game. That That's possible. Maybe, as Juco James is always banging on about, and he's right, positive variance, which plays a big part in football because it's a game that basically has so much randomness and luck involved in it that, like, Joe Rebo's moment where he shoots and the ball flies up into there and Stephen Davis does an overhead kick. I mean, none of that was, that was, that was complete randomness. And that's what makes football obviously quite beautiful. So I've been buying on, yeah, for a long time about, about making better decisions and including, and, and pretty much just the, sh- the shooting, to be honest. And when you have guys like David Turnbull and Ryan Christie, who to this, even, even now, when you'd think it would have been getting in the, at least in the periphery of a John Kennedy or a Gavin Strachan, that we continually take really low percentage shots when players are in better positions to pass to. Not only are they in a better position that they might score from, but they would free up space for someone else to get a pass, that they would be in an even better position to score, and it compounds like that. 
it like compounds. It's like an exponential increasing of your chances of scoring. And it's why those great Barcelona teams, your messes of the 2011-2012, how many times, Steve, you see them pass the ball into the net? Yeah, and it's always, and it's not just like 20 passes in it. It's like three clinical, decisive passes where they know where each other are. Um, and they put that ball in the net and it's just it cuts teams apart Javi Iniesta Iniesta and Messi Boom. and that's it goal because they've again they know their style they know how they're meant to be playing and there's fluent communication in that process why does the likes of a Pep Guardiola or managers similar to him with his ethos they don't want their players shooting from distance that often because it just very rarely ends up in a goal now I'm not asking for footballers to have a blanket ban on shooting from distance because it would kill a pretty magical part of the game. I like nothing better than a 30-yard shot top bag. It's brilliant. But not fucking 40 of them in a game. Like Turnbull and Christie and, and the likes. Like, come on, guys. Like, like take it, bring it, rein it in a wee bit. I mean, it's just, it's a bit ridiculous, especially when there's players in better positions. On the analysis part, sticking with us, Sean, especially focusing on David Turnbull. Now, he scored... Six goals uh, in 25 league games for Celtic. And as we've seen with David Tumble, he likes to shoot from outside the area. Now, there was a point yesterday, you'll remember it in the second half, right at the start. Brown made a decent tackle. Tumble picked up the ball. All he has to do, slip in El Yunusi, slip in Edward. Now, this isn't the first time David Tumble's been in this position, takes a shot and does that. That's when, you know, proper coaching comes into play. And he's instructed and he's ordered to look up and slip in a player who's making that run where there'll be a, a better chance of scoring. Because McGregor, nine times out of ten, Alan McGregor's going to save that kind of effort. He did yesterday, went for a corner and went nowhere. But that was the first time, you know, one of the first times in my head, watching the game live, seeing that. And I'm just thinking, Celtic really should be coaching these players to make far better decisions. A better decision there results in a goal or back in the game with another 50 odd minutes to play, you know what I mean? We things like that all add up and it makes you frustrated when you see the, the result is that they're not doing that. Absolutely. And it's a good point you make about Alan McGregor. I mean, if if you're taking long-range shots against Alan McGregor, you are... It's just a flawed strategy. It really is. Especially if there's players in better positions like Edward and El Yunusi were. And it's obviously been a... a a negative characteristic of our game, the way we play this season. We take, you know, our average shot is very, very, very low XG. And by the way, if people are offended by XG or the notion that metrics, predictive data like that is, you know, in some way irrelevant or whatever, well, let's say it is. still tells you that Celtic are taking really stupid shots. And that's a problem. Long distance shots, shots that, ultimately have no real chance of going in if it's like a 2% chance or a 3% chance on average of going in. You know, and it depends what data, what, what XG metric you're using as well because there's some bespoke ones that the big gambling companies use that are far more kind of, they, they look much deeper into the, the kind of scenarios. Some of the XG stuff's quite lazy, but the, the, at the end of the day, it's simple. Um, you, you want to create high-quality chances in football and you want to nullify um, conceding high-quality chances in football. And Celtic excel in creating high-quality chances at the moment, especially against uh, Rangers. But it's that little bit of decision-making. It just blunts the whole thing. You, you Celtic could have easily scored multiple goals in that game, but did they deserve to? I don't really think they did because, again, they, they decided to make bizarre choices in situations where 
if they were as well drilled as Rangers, if they were as disciplined as Rangers, they would have made Rangers are, are the antithesis of what we are. We are wasteful. We are very we don't catch they catch you off balance all the time. Just when you think you're settled and you're controlling a game, Rangers just score. They do it all the time. I've watched them in Europe. They do it to to, to better teams than, than Celtic. They catch you off balance. They have a really interesting style that I think sometimes I've dismissed as hoofball and things like that. But they exploit that area between the defence and the goalkeeper so well with those balls into the channel. They play that ball into the channel to Morelos. He holds it up and then the, the fullback or the midfield, one of the, the, the right-sided midfielders, the left-sided midfielders, runs in like an R-field and supports with a deep run. It's a very simple, basic partner play, but it's really something you can't do much against, and they play it perfectly. And they overload one side as well. They overload so many players over there, and we can't cope with it. We just we just can't, and they're a very Suffocation tactics. They're a very dangerous team, Steve, and they just... They just it's like playing a European team away from home. Like, it is like playing a European team because we have this illusion like we're in control and we look back and we go, how did we get beat by Ferencvaros? And then you look at it and you go, we're absolutely hapless in transition and we've done nothing to stop that. And we actually, the fucking tragedy, Stevie, is that we bring in Sorrow, who looked to kind of at least quell a lot of you know that problem, and um, and and obviously he's no longer in the team, and that 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 in transition just not good enough, and just really disappointing, Stevie, really disappointing, and I think data in general, uh, it's this isn't even data, this is just this is just basic logic, and, and basic logic at Celtic hasn't existed since twenty nineteen when we were giving people jobs in showers. What I want to talk about is that we're in the position, Sean, where at this stage in the season, we have two lone players that are our primary fullbacks, neither of whom are putting in any level of performances that you would consider being acceptable for Celtic. Jonathan Joseph Kenny, a shocking display, topped off with an own goal, and he's been, whether he likes it or not, Rangers' main source of a goal in these games in the last two meetings. Diego Laxell came in, he looked decent, but when I actually say look decent, I mean at the start of his Celtic career. Um, but since then, his form has nosedived. Now, Greg Taylor is an ample backup player for us, but this poses the question once more. Was the treatment a volleyball and goalie? Looking back on it over the top, and were we too emotional with it yet again when you see the way Rangers have dealt with Nathan, Nathan Patterson? Ball and goalie was stupid, but my God, we could have probably done with him this season, the way things have panned out. And I don't think he'll want to come anywhere near Glasgow again. Why would he? Never mind when his loan deal is up in Turkey. Like He's not going to be wanting to be back, despite the fact that he's under contract for another couple of years. After the way Celtic treated him, and the way that we've exiled him, I'd be surprised if you even see him kicking a ball for us again. What's your take on this crisis in the fullback areas? Dreadful squad management. You know, Jean-Michel Olas at, at Lyon has a very basic structure of always replenish positions on the p- pitch if you sell and always be prepared to replenish those positions, always be hunting, always be searching for the player that will come in to replace those players. Volleyball and golly, the situation back last summer, I thought was a little bit ridiculous, the way he was portrayed in the media as a rogue and a sexual deviant by tabloid scum newspapers. Back to the kind of rhetoric that you'd see in America in the 19th century, 
just a bit tacky. That um, headline of him in drip, because obviously it's all about a young black man having wealth and being demonised for it. And yeah, he made a mistake. He genuinely seemed, you know, regretful about it. Simple psychology there would have been that he would have ran through a brick wall to prove that he could be trusted again, but, you know, basic common sense at Celtic is not something that really happens. Maybe if he was someone's son, he would have got a a second chance, but then again, that's pretty much the only redeeming factor of the Celtic nepotism. That's that's about the only thing that can keep you around for longer than, you know, a couple of years. And yeah, I think he was unfairly treated. He obviously made a stupid mistake and I don't know what he was doing, Stevie. I mean, I don't, <laughs> this is booking flights to Malaga. <laughs> I, I, whatever, right, whatever. But if you do contrast that with the way that he's, with the way that Nathan Patterson has been backed up is, is very telling. And yeah, Celtic really messed up on that one. And I think they thought they were doing the right thing. I think they thought that this action that he'd committed was was unforgivable. But in fact, it was just a mistake. And he's our best left back, like a lumpet. He is our best left back. And the, the greatest part of all of this, Stevie, is that he was a left wing back primarily for all his time at Vienna. And and I think, I think Club Bruges also played it. And we never played him in that position. We decided that he was going to be a left back in a lopsided four-two-three-one that contained Scott Brown and Callum McGregor sitting. What a fucking chance did the guy have? Seriously, man. Is there any other players showing that you feel have regressed to a critically worrying level? For myself, you know, I, I think Callum McGregor. I'm starting to get to the point where yeah, yeah, the concern in your face is if he's he's only got a couple of weeks to live, Stevie. <laughs> It's not that bad. Guy took a bad touch sprinting through on goal. Fucking people have got him dead and worried that he's never going to... He's fucking deeper. He's, he's fucking playing as like this weird like fill in the left back slot when the left back is up the pitch. It's just be, It's so bad. It's more... It's not in terms of his goals or the assists. It's more his influence and it's more his energy levels in a game. And when you look back, Sean, a couple of years ago, Celtic celebrated the fact that Callum McGregor played more minutes than anyone else in world football. Um, I believe he played a total of 69 games in the 18-19 season. He played 5,894 consecutive minutes of competitive football. Now, that is going to catch up with you. To me, Celtic were celebrating that and saying, oh, brilliant, the guy's the guy can't miss a game. He's he's just missed an invincible. But that's going to catch up in footballs. And that to me, that, <laughs> that's bad squad management. It's terrible the, squad management. The way that you think it's going to be catching up is that he's imminently going to be leaving this, uh, shuffling off this mortal coil. Um, Stevie, he is clearly a good, good, good player. And I'm not concerned about him at all. He's playing in one of the worst, most horrendously managed and coached teams pound for pound of all time. I mean, it's embarrassing stuff. I mean, honestly, Stevie, me and you could go into Celtic and obviously no one's going to respect us. That's the big problem. The disrespect for the the, the, the disrespect for the players is going to be who's these two chumps, but we could literally pick a better fucking team. Than, and I think you're right, actually, to, to be serious for a second. I think you're right. Um, I, I'm not worried about Callum McGregor at all or his ability or... Um, 
that he's regressed to a worrying like I don't think he's regressed at all. I think he's just part of a very, very bad team with little to no understanding of what it is they're supposed to do out with really basic stuff. Like, let's play a diamond today. I mean, it's like, it's like mini kickers, like levels of, of, of innovation, of tactical innovation itself, of strategic and tactical and philosophical understanding of football. It's nothing. It's just like, if a diamond doesn't work, we'll go to a, I mean, it's the fact we still keep playing that diamond thing. I don't even know if the people at Celtic even know why you should play a diamond against a narrow four three three. I don't even, I don't even think they know why. I think it's just, it's just an easy cop out for them just to change and be seen to be doing something different. But I've got no problem with any of the players at Celtic. Really, I mean, obviously Scott Brown. I'd wish that he would have had the humility to step aside and let some of the younger guys play. And that can be said for even Lee Griffiths. I think the fact that he was ever getting game time at Celtic despite not being fit for about three years is just it's just indicative of a lack of professionalism that Celtic Football Club that's caught up with so fast that it's KO'd us. I mean, it's KO'd us and people are acting like we've been KO'd out of nowhere. We've been getting battered for 18 months. We've been papering over the cracks with last-minute goals against teams that have 90% less of our, the, our budget and we've been celebrating and lording it up. And the reality is, is that caught up very quickly with us because talent cannot compensate for a lack of strategy and a lack of structure. And 2020-2021 season, Celtic Football Club is the biggest example of that I can think of in, in sport in a long time, considering our incredible financial advantage over most of the, the clubs that we that we play week in, week out. And by the way, to end that thought, 16 games we've won out of 36. The 20-minute Tims were, um, we'd sent, sent that out, and I just burst out laughing at that. Again, <laughs> further moving into my Joker origin story, getting getting closer to putting on that makeup and getting a big smile on my face. It's just, it's just laughable. I mean, that's under 50%. <laughs> Fucking hell! It's, it's just and nobody's getting sacked. No, well, apart from Neil Lennon, but the rest of them just stay, and there's no accountability for any of it. The performances have we are actually as Stephen. I cannot actually believe this has been allowed to happen. In fact, I can believe it's been allowed to happen because that's what happens in nep- nepotistic hierarchies. That's what happens. It's, it's just it is what it is, and we we've we've we're having to suffer this absolute omni-shambles where our Lord and Saviour is now a guy who was the CEO of rugby and I've just to accept that and I've to trust in that and it's just like fucking no, what is happening? It's just, it's almost like a Jeremy Beadle's going to pop it for back for the dead and tell me that this is a big fucking camera, a, a secret hidden camera show to just troll us for 18 months. I mean, honestly, guys getting jobs in the showers and Fucking, it's just, just players being asked if they know what XG is and they're saying I have no idea what that is in press conferences. It's just Couch, like, couches getting set up. Couches Psychologists set, getting sent in. I say Because <laughs> that's a real quiz. That was a real quiz. It's all their psychology. If only they had better mental, physic, mental strength, they'd be able to smash in 35 yarders more often. Get a fucking grip. What a comedy club. In terms of what you say about McGregor, I can understand that though. And I'm reminded more of Scott Brown, 15, 16 season under Ronnie Dyler, written off. 
he just rolled back the years and I'm hoping Cal McGregor, you know, under a decent manager next season, whoever it is, and improve coaching can again do what Brown did and roll back the years. But But if I can just even even that, even that with Cal McGregor, like we didn't sell Cal McGregor at his his, at his peak value. Cal McGregor shouldn't be at Celtic Football Club if we were a serious club with like ambitions. He shouldn't he should have been sold. And it's not like again, it's it's not it's not to say that I, I would have enjoyed that, but if we are going to be serious about, you know, raising more capital to buy better players and keep progressing and keep pushing forward, then players like McGregor need to be sold at their peak value. We've just hung on to all these players that clearly, and by the way, it's not that they don't enjoy playing football. See, once they step over that white line, I love that cliche, once I step over that white line. See, once they step over that white line, they're on the pitch. They don't give a fuck about anything. They just want to score goals, play well and win games of football. They, they, that that is how these that is why they are professional athletes. They're no sitting in the centre circle going, oh, I don't want to be here. I mean, really, do you think somebody gets to that level when that they've got that kind of weak mentality? So he should have been sold at his peak value. Edward should have. I yeah, I could list a whole bunch of players. They weren't sold at their peak value, and what happens, Stevie? This happens where there's this downward trend of performance and their value lessons and this cloud just comes over and that cloud gets even bigger and darker when you have a a leadership in place like Celtic have had from the very top. That's the that's the supreme leader uh, that's uh, just on golf courses more often than he is doing any kind of business that would help Celtic. And that's down to the, you know, the coaching staff and, and the, the head coach and the manager. And... and that's simply it. I mean, that is that is. It's just an example of how to run a football club really, really badly. It's it's Celtic Football Club. Now you mentioned our supreme leader. Certainly, one of them that has been touted in the last few days is some saviour, Dom Mackay. Now, <laughs> I think this is the segment we just burst out laughing at this because I did plan this part. I know this is a shoot pod, and you know a lot of this is off the cuff, but. <laughs> we were talking yesterday about how bad it's got and again this is nothing personal against Dominic McKay I just <laughs> want to be clear there but it's just at the point where you're seeing guys with 67 in their name and hail hail and they're at and they're all just going can't wait to make Dom sorts this and you're like <laughs> what has the guy done what has he done <laughs> what oh, God. Just... Oh. I know I know I just <laughs> I don't even know what I. I mean, I don't. I, it's just you know, see see when I, see when I balance that or or compare it against some people's no wanting Lucian Favre to be the coach. I'm like, guys, like a near genius coach. Yet all this love and support for Dominic Dom Mackay, who's just going <laughs> to come in and and fix this this absolute car crash that, by the way, is now getting oil tankers just smashed into it and all the cars are in fire. But Big Dom McKay's going to jump in. Uh, the fire, the fireman, of the, fireman of the century is going to run in, put out the fires and save everybody for this this gargantuan pile-up in the motorway. Stevie, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe, maybe Dom McKay possesses supernatural powers that will somehow turn around uh, the probably the worst pound for pound the worst ran most rotten club in Europe at this present moment uh, maybe he will he'll be a miracle worker and he'll start he'll start fumigating the place properly and, and we 
you know, necessary pest control. But there is no evidence that that's happening. In fact, it appears that all the people that were there before are simply still there, just under different positions, whilst the, our Lord and Saviour has moved in. Our Lord and Saviour, Don Mackay, has moved in and taken up that position as the CEO of Selic or whatever they call it nowadays. Um, you know, good luck to him. Good luck. <laughs> good luck to you, Dom. I hope it works out. It's just the idea of Don Mackay, like, coming in and doing the Vince McMahon role when WCW were nearly going under. Sunday was saying, scream as Ted Turner sold us in the river. And then <laughs> Vince comes in and merges it and takes all that talent. It's as if Don McKay's got this Vince McMahon aura going, I'm, I, I, can, I can fix all this. And this isn't even on Don McKay, though. It's not on him. It's just more on the people. It's just the faith in out him. to be a messiah. It's just the faith in him. Tell me it's what just, he's done. It's just the faith in... Even the faith in Eddie Howe. It's just like, at what point has Eddie Howe ever shown that he has this innovative coach that's going to come in and turn Celtic football around? I mean, I'm not... He's obviously a very gifted, talented coach that is, has done wonders for Bournemouth to a point and then just stagnated. And they pretty much finished where they should finish based on their salary expenditure and transfer expenditure in the Premier League. And not only that, they actually underperformed and ended up getting relegated. Maybe I'm the problem here, and, and I've been the problem many times in the past, Stevie. Um, so it's it, it's it's very possible that I'm just I'm just being a contrarian for the sake of it. But I would be very excited to celebrate someone coming in that was a serious fight. I mean, like a Favre. Even a Mourinho, I know that's unrealistic, but I'd be so psyched to see that because I'd love to see that little, just that bit of genius on the park reflecting what Celtic Football Club should look like. On, I want to see Celtic Football Club looking like they should look back on that pitch. And when I see that, and when everything's back in place, when Dob Mackay obviously waves his magic wand and sorts all this out, I'll be back at Celtic Park or, or I'll be back watching them on on my wee laptop and and supporting them, but at this at this moment in time, I've got to say I've got a concept now called fluid fandom, where I can't technically say I'm a Celtic fan right now. I mean, really, I mean, I, I, there's nothing about that club that I can say I'm a fan of, because it's just a it's just a disaster. So maybe when Celtic football clubs start represent, maybe Don McKay sorts it. Out, um, I'll start, I'll start, you know, I'll start watching the games again, but I, I'm not even going to say I'm a Celtic fan now because I'm not, I'm not even tuning into games. Tuned in the last couple of weeks just at some, you know, macabre wanting to watch a car crash pile up just to see how bad it could actually get. And uh, and it's got so bad that I'm predicting that we're going to lose 4-0 to a very average, well-structured team. I mean, I, I genuinely thought we were going to get hammered and we'd it was going that way for a, for a, it was certainly going that way. Twenty five minutes in, so yeah, it's really sad, man. It's really sad. I don't, I don't want to put everybody in a downer, but you know, Celtic Football Club to me is just like this relationship I have with my dad and bonding over going to games when I'm younger and all the great experiences I've ever had at Celtic Park and watching them and Larson against Boa Vista, you know, Nakamura at home to them with that big, bizarre, crazy. 40 yards, swerving shot, um, the many, many great moments that it just peppers in through your life and kind of anchors you and, you know, for everybody out there that's that's obviously a fan of Celtic, it's your dad, your mum, your granny, your granda, whatever, um, 
and it's a great, it's a kind of a great thing. But the sad thing is, is when that thing just does not represent what you expect it to represent anymore, and you don't feel that connection, and you know it will come back eventually once competent people are in place and once things are sorted. But but right now, man, I, I'm just I'm so alienated and disillusioned by the whole club, and we're actually in Monday. 19th of April 2021 and we basically did this podcast back when we got hammered at home to Sparta Prague um, when Neil Lennon believed we were playing Slavia Prague or, or hammered away perhaps I, I don't know well, well the, the fact we even need to go there Steve to figure out what 4-1 hammering it was oh Jesus <laughs> God oh goodness gracious me what a season Stevie what a season the only redeeming feature is that we are 3-0 in our co-op season on FIFA and can you see us now can you see us now in FIFA <laughs> we're coming over that hill and we're creating a great partnership together and I hope we'll hope Don McKay can just come in and give some pointers as to how to get better yeah well we're 3-0 on FIFA but if Don McKay was managing us we'd be 30 now oh definitely Definitely. Mate, we are at the... Remember WCW was at the end and it was putting the belt on David Arquette? Yes, yes. Right, that's what we are doing. Right? That's the stage we're we at. We are past the finger poke them. We are, and we're at David Arquette getting the World Heavyweight title. So I'm at that point now where I'm not going to tune in. I, I, I don't need to see David Arquette in wrestling. And that is, the, that is the analogy I'll make. I don't need to see this next. How many games we got? What what, what we doing, Stevie? Please... How many games to the end of the season? Four? I don't even I, I don't even see any of that. I feel sorry for the lads. I feel sorry for Edward El you know, I feel sorry for all them. Great players, great talents on a sinking ship. Um, hopefully Captain Dom will come on and sort it all out and, and just perform miracles. But I can't even see it. My, honestly, my heartfelt, heartfelt, uh, my sympathy goes out to, to some of the players that, that need to participate in this. I mean, without any any leadership whatsoever for 12, no, 18 months pretty much. Um, and guys going across borders to get pints uh, as soon as um, as soon as soon pints were allowed in England. I mean, that, that was our, that was our leader for, for 18 months. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, inc- it's incredible. And I think people tuning into this garbage for the rest of the season, aren't they actually helping? Because Celtic TV need to see some pretty astonishingly low numbers They'll have the data. They need to see astonishingly low numbers to really to really kick Don McKay into his kind of godlike mode where he really can get to work quickly and and, and put out all these fires and, and start healing the, the club. But lone players are going to continue to play. And I think if we were starting to play we Karamoko Dembele, some of the younger guys, I mean, half of them have left the club and are now doing shoot interviews with newspapers saying how bad we are. And how much of a clique the entire uh, club is. So I mean, I I don't I don't I, I don't think there's any. It's going to be the same old same old team. Scott Brown will play ninety minutes every week, and yeah, I don't really need to see that. I don't need to see the the David Arquette WCW World Championship belt era of Celtic. That's just that's too much. Can I take that? That's that's too much for my for my ego and for my for my heart. My crippled, crushed heart that has been stomped on for near enough twelve months. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm at the end, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit like how you described Callum McGregor at the last legs stage in critical condition. 
Yeah, I cannot watch another minute of Celtic or I'm actually going to have a, a genuine breakdown. And I will be out as the Joker. I will I will officially transform in the Isn't Joker. Isn't that up. bad? Isn't that bad? I will officially, I'll be on Alan Brazil's show and he'll be, he'll be questioning me about my mental health. That is where this is all going. <laughs> Tears of a clown. <laughs> oh, God. Pretty much. Oh, Pretty much. Now, this has been Big Pod episode 43. Sean, much appreciated for coming on again. You know where you can find us. You know where you can listen to us. Please subscribe, uh, rate and review if you get a chance. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. Podcast Network.